This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Back to give breath. All respect to those who break their neck to keep their hoes in check. Yo, it's the Dead Monkeys in Outer Space podcast. I will be your host for this journey. This is J to the Mar, J to number two, T-H-A-M-A-R. Follow or swallow on Twitter and Instagram and at everything, you know, YouTube. I'm on YouTube now. Check me out, please. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. Dead Monkeys in Outer Space podcast. Uh, if you want to email the show, uh, D-M-I-O-S podcast at gmail. Demios podcast at gmail.com if you want to, you know, shout out, dedication, requests, bomb threats, whatever. Just email me and we can see what's up. Shout out to everybody that's listening. Shout out to everybody in, uh, I had a different country tuning in, uh, last week. So shout out to that country. <laughs> I don't have the information in front of me. So sorry. I'm so sorry. But, um, I want to get serious real quick, real quick. Uh, I just want to give rest in peace to, uh, Enos Cosby, uh, daughter of Bill Cosby. She died from a kidney disease at 44 years old. Uh, in, in, uh, Enza Cosby, were at, was actually one of the more vocal of, you know, his kids or just per people in his family uh, against his sexual allegations. But I don't want to make it about that or talk about that at this uh, present moment. I just want to say rest in peace to her and condolences to the Cosby family because, uh, you know, this is the second child that Bill Cosby has lost. His, uh, his other son, Enos, was uh, killed in a robbery attempt, I believe, you know, coincidentally, it was the same time that uh, Bill Cosby was, I think, in negotiations to buy NBC. But uh, that's the Dead Monkeys on Space podcast talking, so I don't know. You can look it up for yourself. But yeah, you know, uh, rest in peace and condolences to the Cosby family. Why couldn't Raven Simone be one of the Cosby kids right about now? Not too soon. I'm sorry. I just fucking hate that bitch. Ugh. She's such a fucking bitch. She has a fucking uh, new TV show, and she's, like, gay. And, and you know, gay with kids, of course, right? And uh, whatever. It's just, like, more shit for children to fucking watch and think, oh, this is okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not normal. You can't have kids without a fucking, uh, you know, a guy. Stop the shit. Fuck out of here. But anyway, um, Dead Monkeys in Outer Space podcast, please check me out. Like, subscribe. Uh, especially I'm on YouTube now. You know, subscribe. Click that bell thing. I hear people say that shit a lot. I'm not really big on YouTube or whatever. So whatever. Just just check me out. Dead Monkeys in Outer Space podcast at everything. But um, what I want to talk about, something I, I saw recently in totality, was the uh, Death Row Chronicles. Um, now obviously it's pretty much just the 
make money off of honestly the Straight Outta Compton movie because everybody started coming out with different things and and and, 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 and you know Straight Outta Compton movie and Tupac and Biggie people are still milking those you know uh, how would you say the properties or whatever they're they're milking them and 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 it's and it's you know as a as a fan of of all of those guys, you know, it's it's kind of sad to see, but you know, as a fan, still fanatic, it's good to see certain things that I didn't know, certain information, certain pictures, and certain video, and it's it's just interesting to know. I always had a fascination with uh, just all of that stuff, you know, and that like the behind the scenes, and I think that's probably the greatest story told in music history. For my generation, you know, I'm pretty sure Quincy Jones will fucking object to everything I'm saying. But there was a lot of things that went into play. If you if you think about the NWA umbrella, just just for two seconds, think about NWA's umbrella. The longevity of that is still present to this day. Don't believe me? Kendrick Lamar, who has uh, the the Black Panther soundtrack, I think at number one on Billboard charts for the second week in a row. And they don't even make fucking soundtracks for movies no more. Hit not hip hop ones for movies anymore. And I, you know, big shout out to uh, him and TDE for actually even fucking attempting to do that and actually pulling it off. Shout out to them. I actually missed that aspect of of movies and, and soundtracks. Because remember, soundtracks used to get the fucking, uh, you know. Songs that they did, they weren't on the album. It was just, you know, songs that they did extra for the movie. And, and, and for the most part, those songs wasn't even included in the movie. You know? Look at Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, most of those songs, I mean, you, you had a, a good amount of them that were, that were included in the movie, but there was a lot that wasn't. Here's a little bonus for you. Do you know that Prodigy from Mob Deep was on that soundtrack? Didn't know that, did you? And 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 here's something else. That's the first time, first time that he he was actually heard. It wasn't on a Mob Deep album. It was on the Boys in the Hood soundtrack. How crazy is that? Right? Don't believe me? Look it up. But yeah, um, speaking of soundtracks, uh, I was watching the Death Row Chronicles on BET, and I don't really watch BET, so I streamed it on the internet. No ratings for you, BET. You own my Viacom. You have nothing to do with black entertainment anyway. Anyway, so I'm watching it, and it's, you know, it's a bunch of stuff that, you know, everybody has already heard, everybody already seen. Uh, Well, I can't say that. Me, I've seen it, heard it, read it. Uh, I have I have books. NWA is my favorite group of all time, all time. Uh, Tupac is one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, so all of that stuff kind of was just like up my alley. You know, I'm just like, wow, I was already into it as a, as a fan, which is short for a fanatic, and I was already into it. But like I said, speaking of soundtracks, it, it's crazy how. Tupac and Death Row cross paths and with the Pain song, which for some reason still to this day doesn't sound like it was mixed down properly, but that's just me. 
But he did that for them and they gave him, you know, some money or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, Tupac had his legal issues and ended up getting locked up. And, you know, pretty much he, boom, went to death row, you know, uh, some years after that. But I want to I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to kind of explain the East Coast West Coast rap beef. And from from my perspective, I'm not saying everything I'm saying is factual, but everything I'm saying is 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 truth as I know it. You understand? So that that's how I want to go. And um I want to give a shout out to uh Doug Young. Uh, if you don't know who Doug Young is, uh, please get familiar with this man. He's, to me, he's one of the most brilliant, brilliant uh, music industry minds I've ever heard. I had the actually pleasure of interviewing him, and like I could talk to that guy for like the, probably the rest of my life just with information that he has. And he has a very uh, accurate, precise, uh, detailed memory. I mean, he's one of those guys that, I mean, he could tell you what you was wearing. Like, you know, your hat, your shirt, your socks, everything, where the car was parked, who was driving, what's so He has that type of, uh, you know, memory. But he wasn't on the um, Death Row Chronicles. I, I, I don't know if he objected or he didn't, you know, he accepted or they, I don't know. But, um, the East Coast, West Coast beef, uh, there were already seeds planted for that long ago. Long before, uh, you know, Tupac and Biggie. And it wasn't like, you know, not 20 years ago before that, but it was just like a, a significant time. Um, as a hip-hop fan, I always, you know, I, I liked good music. And again, I was always an NWA fan. When Ice Cube went solo, um, Ice Cube was one of the biggest uh, acts, you know, that you could find. And it was one of the first acts I remember that a lot of the East Coast were 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 cool with. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I don't know if that had anything to do with, you know, that he was fucking with Public Enemy you know, he made the the Burn Hollywood Burn song with, you know, Big Daddy Kane, Chuck D. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Uh, I guess, you know, I guess he was out promoting it out here as well, too. But East Coast, West Coast, pretty much from my perspective, my perspective. Now, now let me under, let me let me backtrack a little more. I'm sorry. I apologize. But uh, well, I'm not sorry. I just apologize. But East Coast rap was dominant, very dominant. Everybody understood, like, yo, this is the Mecca. We understood. Yeah, okay. Now, mind you, I'm a guy from Jersey City, New Jersey. There was always a bias from New York. New York always had a bias towards everybody that wasn't from New York. You don't believe me? New York has a bias against other New York rappers who are from different boroughs. You know? So there was always something there. So like I said, this whole East Coast, you know, the East Coast, West Coast, it, there was seeds already planted from a long time ago. New York was arrogant. 
I said it. Yes, they were fucking arrogant. Very arrogant. Like everything they do is, you know, is gold. And at a period of time, when they called, you know, the 90s was the golden era, shit, everybody was fucking rapping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just like every, like it was a lot of great acts. And in the 90s, we were very spoiled, I believe, as, as hip hop fans, because we had everything. You know, uh, East Coast, down south, you know, was making some noise. And then the West Coast made some noise. But then the West Coast noise kind of became more mainstream. You understand? I mean, we, we could go back to MC Hammer if you really want to get technical. Hammer was, was selling millions and millions and millions of albums. You understand? And the West Coast uh, was getting very popular. N.W.A. Uh, uh, Niggas for Life album came out, was doing well without radio or video play. You know, and it was it was like it was gangster rap, you know, just straight up gangster rap. But it was popular, it was selling. You understand? And when uh, Dr. Dre went solo and got Snoop, and got, you know, it was on the deep cover. That 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 was one of the biggest songs accepted from a West Coast artist on the East Coast. Deep cover was. One of the biggest songs in hip hop history, in terms of the effect that it had, it launched a lot of shit. You understand? And after Deep Cover, because everybody wanted to know what they was going to follow up with, because it's like, yo, Drake got this dude named Snoop, and Snoop, Snoop. Well, I'm not getting ahead of myself, but let's just I'm gonna I'm start stop from right there. The the deep cover song was just really really fucking accepted overall everywhere. One of the hardest songs, beat was dope, lyrics, everything. You know what I'm saying? And it was for a movie soundtrack, right? So when Drake got into his own, you know, with the Chronic, the Chronic took off. I mean. I remember the Chronic, and you know what's so funny? Like when I watched the Death Row Chronicles, I remember the Chronic coming out on December 15th, 1992. How do I know that? Because I got that album and Ice Cube's Predator, because Ice Cube was on his, I think his uh, third album at that point. I got it for Christmas. And on Christmas, I fucking popped the tape in, right? And I put my headphones in because I know he he's cursing. And this is this is big because you know my, I was still in high school. And um, was I in high school? I don't nineteen. I no nah, yeah I think I'd be, be right before high school or just starting. Anyway, I get the fucking album, the Chronic. And the thing is, I wanted to hear the Chronic with no interruptions. Like I don't want nobody in the house to fuck with me. Don't. And this is Christmas. Leave me alone, right? So I put the tape in, and they start, you know, they dissing Eazy-E. Now, mind you, I wasn't up on the source at that time. I wasn't, like, I, I was up on it, but I didn't, I didn't have a subscription. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would see it, look through the pages, look at the posters, you know, look at the articles or whatever the case may be, fat tape, hip-hop quotable, yeah, whatever. 
My, my, my next door neighbor, his brother, his older brother used to always have the source magazines. So I used to just like look at them or whatever. But I believe it was the, the source magazine with Spike Lee and Charles Barkley on it. I'm pretty sure it was that one where, where they, they mentioned Dr. Dre leaving NWA over money disputes. And I was just like, oh, he's just going to leave and they're still going to be cool, but whatever. But I didn't really know that was the NWA. So I'm listening to it and, you know, Snoop is saying his shit and then the little sample comes on. Get out, get out. I don't love you no more. And then Dre says, use a penguin looking motherfucker. Right now at that particular point, he said, use a penguin. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. And I pulled back. And my headphones came out of my radio while I was playing. Now, mind you, I'm around my, you know, my, my family at Christmas. And it's like, penguin-looking motherfucker. And I was like, oh, my bad. And I had to plug the fucking headphones back in. And then, you know, listen to the album. But The Chronic was a special album to me. That To me, that's one of the, the my favorite albums. Uh, in terms of what it did for hip-hop, to me, it's, it's one of the best, if not the best. And the reason why I say that because there's a lot of things that it did, a lot of doors that it opened. It changed the game literally. I'm not going to get into that right now because I could spend the next uh, two episodes of this podcast on that one particular album. But anyway, the West Coast, or Dre, or he was the sound of NWA. So, again, it's still I'm still with the NWA shit. You know, boom, Dre's doing his thing. West Coast rap was on top. I mean, they were killing it. Everybody uh, loved the chronic. East Coast, West Coast, whatever. And they were selling millions of records. And it was at this point where I believe that gangster rap became more mainstream. You know, now mind you, Snoop was throwing up gang signs and all this other stuff, whatever the case may be. We they were gangster rappers before that, but it wasn't gangster rappers doing it like that. They wasn't really like, yo, we in the streets, you know, whatever. And so what what added to their mystique was just like, yo, they really fucking people up and shit, you know? Snoop catching uh court cases, you know, Dre and they threatening easy and all this other shit. Whatever. So I'm just like, wow. This is crazy. So, um, but before that, before that album came out, mind you, I said that, that, you know, New York was very arrogant at that time. So New York knew they was kind of losing the grip on hip hop in terms of, yo, this is our shit. You understand? Um, Tim Dog made a song called Fuck Compton. Now, I, when I first heard the song, again, I'm an NWA fan, so I was automatically like, oh man, he just trying to diss them to get a name off of them, yada, yada, yada. I didn't, I wasn't particularly a fan of the song, you know, but, you know, the more I listened to it, you know, it was funny, it was creative, it was, it was actually a really good diss song. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I wouldn't call it whack, but it, it did its job and it got attention. But I also looked at it as, New York is admitting jealousy. The West Coast is coming into its own. It's almost taken over, so to speak. And I, I not not 
completely, but they they were make they was making their presence known. And I think Fuck Compton song uh was admitting that they were jealous of whatever the West Coast was doing. Like having that gang war, we don't wanna know what you're fighting for. Fighting over colors, all that gang shit's for dumb motherfuckers. But but you don't understand the culture of where they're coming from. If you listen to their record, they'll tell you what it's about. Right? That's all these rappers do. They could they, they tell you, like for instance, like if you go to uh California, it's, it's not like uh it's like what set you claiming? I know that from the music. What set you claim? Nah, I'm neutral, my brother. I just, I just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, blue sweaters or red scarves or whatever the fuck. I don't know. But it, it got it, it got crazy like that. And at that time, the East Coast West Coast shit was boiling. It was already there. If you don't believe me, the Source Awards, and, and this is why I, I, I wish they would be more honest with the Source Awards. The Source, all right, the Source magazine, period, was an East Coast magazine, right? And so they were more biased towards East Coast acts. I, I, I can't even say biased. It was just that they they were based in the East Coast, so it was, they had easier access toward, you know, to East Coast artists. Opposed to the West Coast, which had like rap pages, but that was like later on after the fact of the source. So when they had the Source Awards, uh, I think I think the first Source Awards was in nineteen ninety four. I want to say four, but I think it was like on pay per view or some shit. And I was like, "Fuck," you know what I'm saying? I you know. Mind you, I'm 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 still in school. I don't have no fucking job. My mother not gonna pay for no bullshit. So we, you know, people had to wait for like, you know, after the fact to see it or, or bootleg tapes or whatever the case may be. But the tension was building there, and the tension was building. Uh, for instance, like there were categories where out of town rappers will win, and the crowd would boo boo because they wasn't from New York. You know, I think Outkast won something. I think they won like Best New Artist or some shit like that. Boo. Dog Pound, boo. The New York didn't like anywhere else. But you know, that's understandable. It's tribalism, you know. But the source, when they had those things, it's not like what I'm saying that they should be honest about it. It's like, yo. They should admit that there was shit going on from then. That was the East Coast. It wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't even say necessarily East Coast, West Coast. It was just New York bias. Let's be honest. New York was very arrogant with their shit. Let's be honest. New York has to admit that. They, they you know, obviously, you know, the Mecca, everybody admits that it started from there. Okay, so let's move on. But no, it's just like, oh, you know, like right now to this day, let's bring New York back. Let's bring New York back. Let's bring... Let's bring hip-hop back. Fuck where it comes from. And I think that's the problem. They were just so arrogant that they were on their own dick where they didn't want to realize dope shit came from other places. They did that shit on the radio and all that shit. I remember one time, uh, and, and this is why I believe Tupac so much when he he said that when he was in jail, dudes were clowning West Coast dudes on how they talk and shit like that. And he was right. 
I used to listen to the radio heavy. I used to record. I used to stand by my radio with a fucking my hand on play and record, just sitting there recording some shit. I remember MC Ren was on. Uh, I, I want to say WBLS. This is when they played rap or whatever. I think Dr. Dre was on the show. Dr. Dre from Yo MTV Raps, and he was interviewing MC Ren, and um. You know, MC Ren was just it, it was it was like a dull interview. It, it just seemed very awkward because it would just seem like uh MC Ren was just you know, he was MC just and being MC Ren and Dr. Dre was being Dr. Dre, but it was like a clash of, of cultures almost, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, it seems weird. I had the the interview on cassette somewhere. But MC Ren said he was performing at the Apollo later that night. And I believe he got booed. Now, mind you, this is Final Frontier. You know, I mean, he 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 using a uh, criminal-minded beat, just using gangster raps over the shit. You know what I'm saying? Well, West Coast gangster raps over the shit. He got booed. And I was like, wow, why? I, MC Ren is the shit. Yeah, you're not listening. But it wasn't the fact of he, he was dope or not. It was just a fact just because he was from the West Coast. I'm pretty sure he probably had like a dicky suit on or some shit like that. And they probably were just like, boo, you ain't wearing Tim's in a hoodie, boo. You know, so this Death Row Chronicles thing was, was very interesting to, to look at. You know, and I'm not gonna go into like uh, a bunch of the details, but I thought it was is very, you know, some of his stuff is in, insightful, especially about Shug, you know, about Shug Knight, and, and, and he he was he was for his artists initially, but you know, obviously things spiraled out of control, you know, and when when Shug went to the Source Awards. Uh, I was damn was ninety four ninety five, and when he made that statement about Puff, you know, only reason why I believe he made that statement is because he knew that they were the shit, and it was kind of like years and years and years of being pushed to the side, like yo, y'all y'all not that good. Y'all can't, y'all can't rhyme like us or whatever. Y'all ain't got whatever. The West Coast was on top at this point. When he made that statement, the West Coast was on top. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, the Dog Pound, Lady of Rage, all, all, the whole shit. They soundtrack. Everything they touch turned platinum. Not gold, platinum. Nobody was fucking with Death Row. I mean, Biggie was starting to come up, but the thing, the thing where I think a lot of people don't understand is like people can say, "Oh, Biggie brought the East back." No, he didn't. No, he did not. I repeat that. No, he did not. Well, well, you, he got radio playing now. You know, remember Onyx? Onyx came out before Biggie, and back the fuck up went platinum. Slam was a hit. It was on MTV all day long. So Onyx was starting to bring the the East kind of back. And then you had you know the boot camp clear, and then you know Biggie came in, and then boom, he cemented the shit. He he, you know, he did his thing. And 
I just think, you know, and then the, the crowd, obviously the crowd booed Suge Knight after he, you know, he said that or whatever the case may be. And then every, ever since then, when the West Coast acts came on, you know, people started booing them. And rightfully so. I mean, if you're going to come to somebody's uh, hometown and start talking shit, yeah. But like I said, most of, most of it, I believe, because Suge Knight, they was on top at that time. Nobody was fucking with Death Row. Nobody was fucking with Death Row at that time. And... It was it was crazy, you know, and I was just like, wow, wow, and then you just you just saw the, the shift of power right there, right there. The West Coast is acknowledging, yeah, we got this shit right now. For all the times y'all didn't play us, for all the times y'all said we couldn't rap, for all the times y'all said we was whack, guess who? Guess who's on top right now? You know. So the source, um. I don't. I forgot what the timing was of this cover, but they had the cover of Biggie on the cover of the Source. You know, in between the Ten Towers and shit. You know, he's the King of New York, and that was the first time, I, I, from my recollection, that they gave the title of King of whatever. So they put him the. You know, he's the King of New York. Why is he the King of New York? You understand? Because they, they're still saying that. Well, this is where you know. This is where stars are born. You know, this is where it happens. This is where everything is at. This is the Mecca. He's the king of the Mecca. So he's the king of pretty much rap. So, you know, there was, you know, the source has their hand in that shit too. So I, I don't know why people don't, you know, they always blame the vibe because the vibe had that East, East versus West thing. And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a media thing. No, no, it wasn't. It was, it was some shit that was boiling for a minute. Which I think would eventually came out, but I think the Tupac and, uh, situation escalated it, you know. And like I said, Tupac is is one of my favorite artists of of all time. He's to me, he's the most uh, most personable. He's like an icon. He's just unreal to me. And the thing the thing about it when he, he actually died is people don't understand. He was only only twenty five years old. What were you doing at 25 years old besides jerking off? Seriously. I mean, I mean, not not to, to compare him to any leaders, but I mean, he was young and talking that shit. Imagine him now. He'd probably be a totally different person. You'd be like, wow. Or he could be the same person and be yet still profound and doing what he does. I just thought that was just, I don't know. I thought he was an amazing person. But anyway, uh, when he got shot and everything, and, and that kind of escalated it. And what I don't get is that how people try to pretend as, um, like, fences, like, yo, Bill, or Biggie had no idea that, you know, whatever the case may be. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. I, you know, I've read several books about this, all this shit. And I'm not talking about just, uh, Tupac and Biggie shit, but just like the, like I said, Have Gun Will Travel, The Rise and Fall of Death Row. I read that. I read all, uh, the books from, um, Frank Alexander, which was Tupac's bodyguard. Uh, it was a Kathy Scott. The, I think it was the autopsy of Tupac. I, I read all of these books, I, you know, documentaries. I've seen them all, all that. So like I said, I'm, I'm very in, <laughs> entrenched into this stuff, you know. And it's amazing to, 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 
see it and, 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 and read it and then people in interpretation on how to react. But anyway, what I think, you know, when Tupac got shot the first time initially, do I think Biggie and them uh, knew what happened? I, I won't say they... Put it this way, I think they knew that him fucking with the wrong people can get him fucked up. I believe they knew that. And they told him that. And they admit they told him that. And so he feels uh, betrayed in a certain way or whatever, you know. And and he went at them, but he, he was actually going after other people as well in terms of, you know, calling people out or whatever. And you know, and let me let me say one thing that I that I really disagree with a lot of people say about uh, uh, Tupac or just uh, a lot of artists. They're like, "Oh, well, he wasn't no gangster. He wasn't a gang member." And I'm like, "Okay," because the way they're trying to imply it is that he's soft, because that's the way it comes off. You know, well, he wasn't that gangster. Yeah, you know, whatever. If he if he really wanted to get big, he'd have went out or whatever the case would be. He wasn't really gangster. I think Ice T said some shit like that. Ice T said, "Oh, if you did somebody on record, man, fuck the record. You might as well, you know, if you really, if you really beef like that, you go at him." Then he had a couple of beefs. I think Ice T had a few beefs or whatever. And for some reason, correct me if I'm wrong, people out there, you know, hit me up at Demio's Podcast at Gmail. I don't buy Ice T uh, his shtick for a minute. I just think he 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 just talks a good fucking game. Don't believe him. I don't believe him. I'm an OG. Don't believe you. I don't. Maybe you probably push, you know, some drugs here and there, whatever the case may be, hang, hung around some fucking official dudes. But I, other other shit, no, nah, I don't believe you. I don't. I just don't. And that's just me with Ice T. I don't. Block. I don't believe his shit. And I told my boy before, I don't. I don't believe in Rick Ross. I was like, man, I don't. This is when Rick Ross first came out. I said, man, I don't, I don't buy his shit. He seems like he's a, a, a you know, a bouncer or or, or or a CEO or a cop or some shit. Maybe he's a cop. And I said that based based on his size and how he comes across. I know Noriega, the real Noriega. You can't say that on a record. You're a liar. And boom, what happened? He was a CEO. Something was fishy. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> it's um, it was just weird to see you know just uh, Tupac. So I, I I wouldn't say he was angry. He was just like pissed. Like when California Love came out, I didn't like it initially. I didn't like it because I'm just like yo, he's he's attacking, you know. And it seemed like he was just like, yeah, it's West Side, you know, whatever, West Side, West Side, West Side. And I was just like, here we go. But to be fair, when, when Who Shot You came out, it's like, yo, why would you release that song at that time? I thought that was kind of uh, very uh, disrespectful. And then you wonder why he said what he said. You know, and, and I, I, it was just really bad time. And then you got um, Fake Master Flex. Oh, man, you know, I can't fucking stand Funk Master. I think the, the longer his career goes on, the worse it takes away from everything he fucking did. 
He's full of shit. He is full of shit. And I'm going to tell you fucking why. Because he's a dick rider. Everything that's high, he, he, he jumps on it. He's a fucking little whore when it comes to the fucking music. This motherfucker is, 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 is he's probably 10 years older than me. This motherfucker, I don't know how old he is, but he still acts like a fucking child. Pull your pants up, motherfucker. Wipe your nose. But he was like, oh, and they got him on the fucking Death Row uh, Chronicles, which I don't know why. Because he had nothing to do. Oh, he, only, he had one part, and this, I'm, this is the part I'm actually about to tell you about. But um, he said, oh, well, who shot your lyrics was previously recorded. How the fuck do you know? Were you there? Or they just telling you that? Because it's not like you're just giving lip service. Whatever. But um, I remember when the Dog Pound was over uh, doing a New York, New York uh, video shoot. And I thought for some reason, I thought Biggie was actually in the studio. He, or, you know, Flex said that Biggie called up to the studio. But I think I was listening to it, and I could have swore Biggie was there, or unless they were on the phone, and he was. I think he was doing the interview over the phone, something like that. Anyway, Biggie was like, yo, you know, they in um, Brooklyn or whatever, filming a video called New York, New York. Y'all going to let them do that or whatever? And Funk Master Flex was like, yeah, yeah, New York, get at them. They in Red Hook, Brooklyn, you know, yada, yada, yada. I remember Red Hook, Brooklyn. You know why? Because I recorded it on tape. Remember, I used, I used to sit by my tape deck and I used to fucking record it. If I find the tape, I will post it. I have a garbage bag full of tapes. So it's going to take me a shit uh, long time to get through them. But I, I'll try. But he, he said that. And I remember that. I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And what happened was they got shot at. And they they they, uh, they shot up the, they shot the trailer, whatever the case may be. And then... Um, Phone Master Flex was like, yeah, I just, I just heard that they got shot at, whatever the case may be, yada, yada, yada. Mind you, I'm recording this shit. So he says, oh, well, they got shot out, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Um, we trying, trying to get in contact down there, see if Snoop and everybody is all right. And I believe Trey D was on the phone. Now, how do I know if Trey D was there or not? Because nobody never said he was there. I mean, unless he said he was in the interview, I don't know. But I believe it was Trey D from uh, Eastsiders or whatever. They were on the phone, and then they said, uh, he said, everybody's all right, you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And Flex tried to sound all sympathetic and all this other shit. I'm just like, you're full of shit. You just fucking sick New York on them, and they fucking whatever. I, I, I couldn't take that. But I don't know. I mean, you know, the Death Row Chronicles was actually very, very dope. This this is taking up most of the time on my show because I really, really, I, I loved it. I, I mean, I loved it. You know, all the Death Row, NWA, fucking the legacy. Not even not not the BET show, just the legacy of NWA. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. But there's a lot of stuff that they, I think they they you know they could have put in there, but that they left out. You know, like I believe Snoop went to No Limit for security. He know leaving Shug here have a fucking problem. I believe that. I don't. I don't think he, you know, just went to no limit for no reason. You know. 
Puffy had a, a bad boy mixtape that, you know, was dissing Tupac. You know, after Hit Him Up came on, he came on, he was just like, yeah, the actor Tupac Shakur, give him a round of applause and shit like that, whatever, making fun of, you know, you know when Tupac rants at the end of the song and shit like that. I think it's Bad Boy Mixtape Volume 4. It's on it's on the internet now. Before, nobody could find that shit. I remember, again, my next door neighbor, his older brother, used to always have a lot of hip-hop shit, and that was one of the things. I was like, wow. That was crazy. You know, you know what's crazy? Miss Chalet is fucking crazy. I don't know. She has a baby by Suge and fucking Dre. And initially, I think she was uh, Ice Cube's girlfriend. Initially, to start, it's like, what the fuck? I don't know. It's crazy. But yeah, check that out if you get a chance. Death Row Chronicles. Pretty, pretty fucking dope. I thought it was dope. Um... I thought Biggie Street and went back to the, the the West Coast and did this, you know, Soul Train shit. But I mean, actually, he probably would have been fine. But he did a, a radio interview and he fucking freestyled "Long Kiss Goodnight" verses, which was subliminally dissing Tupac. So I don't know. Ah oh, man, yeah. So it's the, almost the closing the show. I'm about to wrap it up. So uh, what makes me happy? What makes me happy? Oh, Carl died on The Walking Dead. Mmm. Fuck out of here. I don't watch The Walking Dead no more, but he's he was annoying. I actually kinda liked Carl towards the end, but I mean fuck it. I don't I don't give a shit. Uh what else makes me happy? Oh, what's going on in South Africa right now? If you don't know if you don't know, just this Google South Africa right now. Motherfuckers took land, they say, hey, we taking this shit back. By any means necessary. Fuck out of here. Uh what makes me angry? Uh that Monique versus uh, Charlemagne shit. Like I don't, I don't watch the Breakfast Club or any morning show for that matter, or listen to it. But I, you know, I've seen it and I found it interesting. You know, because I'm just like, wow, like she's still on this. You know, you know, she's demanding money from Netflix or whatever the case may be. And I'm just like, yo, like I, she's. I was kind of with her with the, you know, you know, black women deserve to get, you know. They do. They they deserve that money too. Fuck you. But it's just like she she's arguing almost against herself right now. She's making herself look bad, like really bad. And it's like, oh, I, I I'm the most decorated fucking you know uh, black female comedian. Blah blah blah. blah. And it's like, wait, hold up. Let's let's get into that a little bit. I was on uh, IMBD or whatever that movie shit is, and I looked at this like a couple of. Uh, a weeks ago, well, actually, no, more than a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe a few weeks ago. But anyway, and I was like, "What is she talking about? She's the most decorated, you know. She's she's won countless awards, and she's she's won a shit ton of awards, but it's for the same shit, for the Rolling Precious. So I'm just like, that doesn't really count, you know what I'm saying? It's like, for instance, like the uh, Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, right? And it's like, oh, you guys won the Super Bowl. Then then they have the SBTV shows, like, oh, best team of 2008, oh, um, 18, oh, it's the Philadelphia Eagles, and they win the SB. So they'll get, you know, another award in addition to their Super Bowl trophy. That shit don't count. The main one is the one that fucking counts. It's the Super Bowl trophy. All the other shit, you know, you the Nickelodeon Choice Awards, none of that shit counts. Gives a fuck. So Monique, she needs to fucking go somewhere at this point. I don't know. Her fucking husband is like the worst fucking uh, manager ever. 
And she's trying to eat off a fucking acting award and trying and translate it to comedy. No, she's not even that funny. She's not funny. Monique is not funny. I'll say it again. Monique is not funny. Most female comedians are not funny. You don't believe me? I guarantee their subject matter is sex, right? Uh, no good men and, and, and what it is to be a woman or some shit like that. Dumb. Done. Fuck out of here. Uh, what else uh, makes me angry? Uh, backhanded compliments. I hate when people like say shit and they, they're just like, uh, I don't know. Like this lady, she says some shit to me. You ever had this happen to you? Especially if like you're black, right? You meet uh, somebody. Like I had a neighbor like years ago, a white neighbor. And he just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, what's going, man? He said, hey, hey, I'm like, all right, see you later, see you later, hey. Stay out of trouble. What the fuck you mean by that? What the fuck? Why the fuck am I get in trouble? You know what I'm saying? It's like, say, hey, hey, all right, man, see you later. Don't put your hand on the stove. Why would the fuck I tell him that? You're, you're an adult. You're, you're fucking shit. Why, why the fuck would I tell you that? So, you know, backhanded compliments, you know, are fucking stupid, man. But before I get out of here, I'm going to give you the uh, five things. Oh, actually, uh, let me, whatever, a couple things I was thinking about. Uh, Stacey Dash is running for Congress. <laughs> I guess that bitch really is clueless. I, I don't know. Uh, Black Panther's uh, up to like $700 million globally killing the shit. Uh, NCAA is fucking jerking players as always. They fucking giving players like $100,000. You know, if they commit to their school or go to their school or whatever the case may be. And you know so crazy? NCAA can afford that. They can fucking afford that. So I, I hope I hope all these players get paid. Cause they, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty much modern-day slavery. Oh, you want to say slavery? Yeah. Because these motherfuckers are working their ass off, busting their ass, football, all this shit, and whatever. And, they, and they're fucking getting uh, jerked. You know? And speaking of Tupac and Biggie, there's another Tupac and Biggie show coming on on fucking uh, USA Network, I think, or some one of those fucking networks or whatever. So I'm going to probably check that out and see if they have some more shit that they can fucking, you know, lie about or whatever the case may be. But anyway, that's the episode for this week. See you next Tuesday. I'm out of here. Peace.